0: 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Hallelujah.
1: 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Appreciate that. Amen. Love you. Praise God. Wonderful preaching this week. We've been revived, got our minds back, ready to go. I'm going to get your attention, though. A lot of single people here right now. You've been sitting here all week just kind of watching the conference, so I'm going to drag you into it right now. Amen. There was a uh, story, maybe you've heard this, but you could call this the Madonna Syndrome. This woman wanted to make a baby, and so she, being a beautiful woman, she found a homely but very intelligent professor at a party, and she said, Sir, with my looks and your brains... We could make a wonderful child together. The professor obviously, disgusted with the idea, said, Madam, it would serve you right that we'd have a baby and it'd have my looks and your brains. There's <laughs> you know, so a lot of reasons to get married, but they better be the right reasons. And I can't think of a better place than a conference to tell you and warn you that you can marry out of the will of God. I have went through the horror of that. Not mine. Another marriage. (laughs) Felt that one halfway there. (laughs) I believe God found my wife for me. But Pastor Foley made that incredible statement. He said... We can be so concerned for our future that we flush our present. And how true that is. But we can also reverse that in this issue and realize that we can be so concerned with our present that we flush our future. And who we marry does matter. Am I talking about perfect marriages? No, we, we know better. But perk up, kiddos, because I got your attention now. You're in conference, and I want to preach a sermon. I've entitled "Desperate Singles" out of First Corinthians, chapter seven, verse twenty-five. First Corinthians, chapter seven, verse twenty-five. Now, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. Yet I give my judgment as one that has obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it's good for a man to be so. Are you bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remains that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married cares for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband, and this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that you may attend unto the Lord without distraction. Desperate singles. I want to first of all look with you at the singles trap. Now, there's a whole whole Bible study here in the ten verses we read. There's just a whole series. But I want to narrow it down because Paul's warning here is do not hastily change your present conditions. This text, among other things, is speaking to singlehood and faith. And what Paul is saying here is don't be in such a hurry to get married that you waste the gift of singlehood. We have heard all week long how that our time is short, how uh, there's an urgency of the hour. And if you're unmarried here today, I want to tell you, we want you to get married, uh, but don't panic and don't waste all your time uh, so busy trying to find a spouse uh, that you do nothing for God. See, the gift of singlehood is simply the unhindered relationship between a person and their God uh, Without the distractions and duties of marriage. Now you're single, you're already panicking on this sermon. I'm going to balance this quite nicely, thank you. All right? You're saying, my gosh, he's going to preach a whole sermon, don't get married until the rapture. No, I'm not. He is not putting down marriage. He is not saying people not to get married. He's not saying married people don't have a relationship with God. He is simply saying that the attention we give God is without the righteous competition of taking care of a husband or a wife. You look at your text here, and one translation says his interests are divided. You see, if you're single here... You have an opportunity to get close to God in an enviable way. And you can get so close that you do not feel the need to make a hasty decision on the understandable need for companionship. See, your relationship with God will keep your decisions godly and wise and without haste. Proverbs 14:29 says, He that is hasty of spirit exalts folly. The word hasty here means to cut the harvest before it's fully grown, to be premature, and in other words, over-anxiousness that can bring folly. And I have known people dear to me and close to me that I can tell you that were called to preach the gospel and they married out of the will of God and they lost their destiny. You see, single people have to face this issue squarely and honestly. That is, they love God, but they hate being alone. Hopefully, their relationship with God will cause wisdom to have more strength than emotions. And Paul is saying, focusing on God will be a buffer between you and hasty decisions that bring long-term consequences now not being hasty does not mean waiting until you're old to get married in fact i believe along with pastor ruby i believe you ought to marry as young as uh, as is feasible in scripture and in logic first timothy 5 14 and 15 says i will therefore that the younger women marry bear children Guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some are already turned aside after Satan. He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. The one translation, though, says he that finds a wife along the way. In other words, he's not saying put God on the shelf. He's not saying, my gosh, I've got to get a wife. There's only two conferences a a year. I better get the right clothing. I better sit in the right place. I better walk by the right people. I only get two shots at this. He's saying, no, he that finds a wife along the way finds a good thing. In other words, I'm going for God. I'm going to do something for God. You want to come along? We can have a great time. Amen. See, Paul was concerned about extended singlehood, though. Two verses back, he said, they learn to be idle. This literally means that they get into the habit of being idle. See, I believe in marrying young. Because if, if what can happen, the Bible says we can get into the habit of being idle and other things begin to compete for interests that cause them us to turn aside to Satan. As they get older, they may get discouraged and temptations will begin to come in. Or as they get older, they'll begin to pursue a career or they'll join the military. And none of these things obviously are evil. But if we're not careful, we get into the habit of being single and this can lead a person astray. I believe in marrying young. I want to give a word to the single men in this tent. Picky men are partly to blame for this. Sorry, guys. The swimsuit edition is not going to sign a contract with our fellowship. And there are godly women in our fellowship and in our churches That are wonderful trophies. Judges 21 is the first conference recorded. It says, Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards, and see and behold that the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance to dances. Then come you out of the vineyards, swoop down and catch every man his wife uh, of the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. Now, this is the first conference. I hold you responsible, gentlemen. I got got single women. and And believe me, I'm not preaching this sermon just because my daughter turned 17 this year. Got nothing to do with it. They were complaining in Las Vegas how all the good football players are being recruited away to... Oregon into Texas uh, and they're saying there they said we're missing the best recruits uh, right in our own backyard and gentlemen I would suggest to you uh, that you're missing good recruits right in your own backyard. Amen. We need to be very careful on this. A word to pastors. You'll notice here that Paul was very reticent to get involved. We better be very careful we don't get too involved in the dating game of our churches. He says, I have no commandment of the Lord. He also says, well, I suppose. And we need to be very careful that we do not get too involved in this. And I might even throw this in here. Be very careful that you don't put a Taliban spirit in your church where anybody's afraid to even look at anybody. Somewhere there's got to be a difference or a balance between Madonna and a nun. See, I began to repent because you know we can take that too far, guys. you know we we have you know you know the, the application to date my daughter. What does pain mean to you? You know, know, I'm the guy in the window with the camouflage and the rifle. You know, I'm not against going back to prison. You know, and so, you know, know, if we're not careful, we can take that too far. And I knew I probably had when my daughter came to me. She goes, Dad, I'm never going to get married. Everybody's afraid of you. Now, that's taking it too far. I got a phone call from a single woman in my church, and she says, Pastor, she goes, uh, you know, I just looked at a guy. And uh, I, I go, yeah. I go, you got to look at him to meet him. And she goes, she goes, no. She goes, I, everybody's looking at me like, what's she looking at? I said, oh, that must be one of some of the older unmarried females, right? And, uh, and so, uh, or, 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 or some of the women that uh, have bad marriages and they're the, they're the Holy Ghost running through our churches making sure nobody gets married because <laughs> they don't want to be alone. I've also heard horror stories of pastors that, you know, somebody calls about a girl in your church and you immediately go, no, 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 she's not ready because you're afraid you might lose her course, you don't mind your guys going on scouting, recruiting trips. You know, you have, you have no problem with that. That seems a little cultish to me. No, Paul did not want to meddle in people's lives. Ruth 111. and Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb uh, that they may be your husbands? Uh, she could have been selfish. Uh, she could have said, hey, no problem, uh, Ruth. Uh, we'll just have some more babies. We'll spit some more out here. In about 18 years, you can get married. Uh, be very careful, Pastor, that you don't tell every one of your single girls, especially if you're running five people, four of them are single women. You know, you might want to be a little careful saying, you know, you just believe God. There's going to there's gonna, some going to come in. Uh, yeah, that's a nice-looking little feeding frenzy. You know, the, the guy walks in. They are fighting over him, and uh, and you got this problem going on. Uh, listen, Pastor, be careful. We're not cultish. You know, I've, you know, can't date outside of your church. You can't date anybody outside your church. Uh, well, we're there to serve their destiny. Be wise and helpful, but not controlling. People are not pawns to be used in our kingdom. So let's look at the fantasy of singlehood. This world says you have to have a boyfriend. This world says that dating is recreational. In our text here, in verse 31, the Bible says these words, And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. Right in the context of relationship with God in marriage, Paul says, don't fall for the present world viewpoint. Listen, I believe, I've just taken time to say, we ought to get married young. But don't be hasty, brother. Don't be hasty, sister. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And many singles know this is true. They know this is right. But the problem is self-esteem. And the devil can drag us away from the will of God and make us feel that we can do nothing for God until we get married. A therapist actually called the search for a husband the female escape route. Listen to this. This is the belief that having a boyfriend will answer all her needs. That her self-esteem is so low that having a boyfriend is nothing deeper than, number one, relief that they're not alone. And number two, thank God somebody finally chose them. One quote said, life with its risks and challenges is scary. Just as we often turn to instant gratification instead of a more mature proponent of pleasure for some future gain, we often turn too quickly to mechanisms of instant avoidance to deflect risk of failure or hurt. See, the problem, sister brother, is being hasty. And uh, I want to tell you that when you kiss a toad, you don't get a prince. You just get slime on your mouth. I have this incredible soap opera playing next door in my yard, in my house. There's this couple living together. They were unmarried. And a U-Haul pulls up out front of my house. And so a couple kids get out. And uh, so I go meet them. You know, I'm out in the front. And I'm shaking their little hands. You know, how you doing? I go, so you're moving in here? They go, yeah, we're moving next door to this house. I go, oh, okay. I said, well, you'll like the neighbors. They're, they're right next to us. They go, yeah, that's our daddy. The plot is thickening here. I go, but you're living the next house down. They go, yeah. Daddy's with his girlfriend. We're with with mommy, his wife. And we're going to live next to each other. Okay? And what's happening is he's going to go back with his wife... To see if they can make it work But the girlfriend's going to stay where she's at And they're going to become really good friends If the marriage doesn't work out They're going to get back together and raise the kids I would say that woman has an esteem problem That you would stay in that type of a situation Is amazing Let me tell you something brother or sister Desperation is no reason to get married Now once again We want you to get married You need to get married Listen to these actual questions asked by some women dating men. I actually heard these questions given to in a book. And listen to these questions. If this doesn't illustrate what I'm trying to say. Here's one lady. I'm kind of hurt and disappointed. I met a guy at work and I've been dating him one month. And it's clear that he drinks a lot. What do you think of his potential? Here's a good one. I met a man three months ago. We've had a few dates. I find out he's been involved in a shooting. Should I stay? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I like this one. I'm 28 and I've been dating him for five years. We've been engaged for two months. I don't know why, but I still don't trust him. He is irresponsible with money and he's been with other women. But he says he loves me Should I trust him? (laughs) You remember the story about the man who killed two people by putting cyanide in their Tylenol? What that actually was, he was trying to kill his wife, but she didn't die. The other two died because he tried to make it look random. And listen to the story. I pick it up right there. Mrs. Melling filed divorce papers soon after she recovered from the cyanide poisoning but later went back to her husband and is testifying in his defense. Mrs. Melling said she felt the conflict in her marriage was normal. At times it tears Mrs. Melling apart, and at times in tears Mrs. Melling said she still loves her husband and believes he's innocent. Proverbs 4.29, He that is hasty of spirit exalts folly. See, desperation and low self-esteem cloud judgment. No longer are we selecting, we just hope we get selected. And the single snare is the forgetting of who validates your worth uh, and who validates your worth is God himself. I have an article here in New York Times, New Rules for Teen Love, says she never thought it possible for a girl to spend a Saturday night without a date and still be happy. I grew up thinking that if you're not with some guy, you're nothing. Another article in the Time magazine said, had a woman who had affairs with athletes in two sports, and she said for women, many of whom don't have meaningful work, the only way to identify themselves is to, is to say who they have slept with. Here's the, la- the devil's lie, ladies. Romans says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be compressed into its mold. And what's happening, there's a new kind of hatred for women. There's a new kind of misogyny, and that hatred for women is that that you need to be sexual, that you need to be uh, a a Britney Spears lookalike, that you need to uh, try to attract something in unrighteous ways, but thank God I'm persuaded in this church are righteous men and righteous women looking for the destiny of God. I understand sometimes you can feel like a nun on the love boat, but listen to me, we need to be the people of God. The problem is we are taught fantasy at such an early age. You know, just a few years ago, some of you ladies had little mermaid dolls. You remember Ariel, the little mermaid? She sees a handsome man in a boat and goes crazy. Now, I think we'd have to agree they're not, that he's not her type. They're not from the same world. But she's so smitten, she's willing to give up everything she is and violate every friend and family member she has. And she's so smitten, and he is so bad, that he says, I'll love whoever belongs to that voice that's singing. And for this, she gives up her world, her family, and her fins, and she sells out for fantasy. Now, I'm just preaching this because I've seen people give up their fins for fantasy. Here we have the beauty and the beast. I think we'd have to agree this guy's nasty. He's mean. He's ugly. But hey, he lives in a palace. And I just know I can change him. Yeah, yeah, us guys love to be changed. We just do that all the time. And the only reason he went along with it for a while was to get something from her to break the curse. Listen, ladies, you better be careful out there. There's all kinds of men out there that think virginity is a curse to be broken. Oh, that's just fantasy, Pastor. Uh Uh-huh. In our newspaper in Las Vegas, they have an article called The Princess and the Marine Love Story. Jason Johnson's was the kind of love story usually told only in Disney movies. It was a tale of an American Marine so dazzled by the beauty of a young royal princess that he risked everything for her. That Romeo and Juliet-like love affair, once dubbed the Princess and the Marine in a made-for-TV movie, has ended now, set against a backdrop of Las Vegas nightclubs, an international assassin, and a spurned love that continues to endure. See, as the fantasy wore off, uh, they began to realize she was a Muslim, he was a Mormon. The family tried to have him killed off. Uh, How many know in-laws can be very vicious? (laughs) She liked to hang around gay clubs. uh, And in the story, listen to what Johnson said. Johnson, a valet parker on the strip, things were never as rosy as the stories made them to be. And I want to tell you, Miss Fantasy, they never are. See, the Bible exalts wisdom over fantasy. Paul says, do not be hasty to change your present circumstances. And this Bible is an annoying little book that tells us to go through life with our eyes Open. Ephesians 5:14 and 15. Wherefore, he says, awake you that sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This word fools means a lack of cautious character and practical skill and mental acquisition in a conceited way. In other words, I'm being stupid, but you're not going to stop me. Yes, I know this probably isn't right, but I can change him. God will help me. You're, you're not going to tell me what to do. And I'm telling you, when you're looking for a mate, you better not go through life with your eyes shut. Quit ignoring what you know you see. These scriptures are designed to save us from our emotions. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And God knows that relationships deceive us, emotions deceive us, but biblical wisdom will trump your emotions. I was talking about this with, with, with a friend, and he brought up a word that I haven't heard for a while. He said back in the early days of dating, they had what they called suitors. And what they used to do is a man would come sometime more than one at a time, three or four throughout the day. They'd come to the parents' house and they'd knock on the door, I've come to suit your daughter. Come on in. They'd sit in the parlor there within earshot of the parents. And the man would make his claim." States your claim, dude. And so he would. He'd say, you know, you know, I have a good job for more than two weeks. I, I take baths every day. I come from a good family, and there are no warrants out for my arrest. She would listen. Okay, that's very nice, Mr. Johnson. You may go now. And sometime, three or four men, these were their suitors, they would come, call on the pretty lady, and they'd come and they'd make their claim. But she was still on the market. She didn't make a a quick, hasty decision. And then finally she would narrow it down and they would begin the courting process. And uh, listen, listen, ladies, uh, I want to tell you something. In the animal kingdom, I don't know if you know this, but two, a lioness will sit there looking all pretty while two lions fight for her affections. That's a good thing. Don't just take yourself off the market the first time some guy goes, hey, I'm called to preach. You know, some men in our fellowship think that's some kind of meeting call. You know, hey, I'm called to preach. Hey, I'm called to preach. You know, okay. But you know what? We never see you in prayer meeting. No science projects. Thank you very much. But after a while... They would take it to the next level, and then this woman and this man would mutually agree. They would say, hey, let's see if we're right for each other. I'm going to focus only on you. Let's see where this relationship goes. But it's mutual, and it's thought out. And then you know what happens. I, I was impressed Prescott for six and a half years. Uh, all of a sudden, you'd see, and you go, oh, he's whooped. It's over for him. And, and, but that's good. They went through it the right way. Listen, it's not you know, you're at a conference, you know, you're sitting in your own business and some girl comes up and goes, Hey, God told me you're supposed to marry me. <laughs> well, you didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, but I fasted and prayed. Well, Jesus fasted for 40 days and the first person to talk to him was the devil. <laughs> Just a thought. There's a dating age. We don't date because it's fun, we date for a purpose. We don't believe in recreational dating, we don't believe in missionary dating. He might get saved. And yeah, you might go to hell. <laughs> I believe. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Rich. First time I got anything from a cop before. <laughs> Sorry. I believe that when a woman hits, you know, 18 or somewhere around her senior year. Now, if you're 16, don't go home and put pins in your Ken doll with my face on it, okay? (laughs) I believe that dating has an age. The Bible says in Song of Solomon 8:4, stir not up nor awake love until it pleases. Some things need to be let rest. 2 Timothy 2:22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And youthful lusts flourish where there's not order or restraining. And youthful lusts like to flirt and fantasize and be flirted with. You better watch the fellowships in your church, Pastor. I've walked into some fellowships. It was the party without the keg. Having said that, I believe that we ought to be thankful. The young Christian people can have friendships in the church that magnify righteousness. You're not always wondering, oh my gosh, what are they doing? You want to know who to hang around with? Our text says, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Hang around them. Let me ask you something, brother, sister. Do you believe in yourself enough? Do you believe in the God of destiny enough? To wait for the person you're looking for? One of the titles of a chapter of a book I was reading, this is a Dr. Laura book, here's the the name of the chapter. I know he's adulterous, addicted, controlling, insensitive, and violent, but I love him. Because maturity faces reality, immaturity says, but I love him and I thought he would change. I close with salvaging singleness. Paul says, don't worry about doing something about singleness. Do something with it. In our text here, he says in verse uh, 34, he says, there is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband in Luke 10:41 and 42 and Jesus answered and said to her Martha Martha you are careful and trouble about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which is shall not be taken away from her. That word cares means not distracted from her faith. Paul is not saying stay single. He's saying don't waste your singleness by being obsessed with making a hasty change because desperate singles don't seem to have a plan for anything else. This was an interesting quote. Said 27-year-old, a 27-year-old woman was furious that her physically abusive boyfriend had broken up with her and went to back to his old girlfriend who he had also abused. What was astonishing was not that she was angry for having been abused, she was angry about the old girlfriend. She said, "I gave so much away and my self-acceptance was based on his acceptance of me." But listen to this. When asked her goals in life, she couldn't name one. Now that's crucial. For the most part, the singles that flirt the most, the ones that even delve into unwise dating, are the ones that are lacking a relationship with God. Let me tell you something, sir. Young man called the destiny. You better be aware of aggressive, carnal women. They know how to snare a man. But here's the problem. That carnality, if not dealt with, will be carried right into your destiny together. And one day, when you're being asked to sacrifice, like we've been hearing all week, she won't. Because she's carnal. And she's looking for the good life not the life laid down. You heard Pastor Campbell say disciples can abort their pastor's destiny. Absolutely. These are men, one of, one of the categories you'd have to put in there, these are men that were called to preach but may never preach because they married into a carnal relationship. Jesus said Mary has chosen that good part Which shall not be taken away from her. Women who will find God's will, find God's will by not looking for a man, but by looking for God. I want to close with a Bible story. You know the story very clearly. Abraham wanted Isaac to have a wife, he wanted her to have a godly wife. He sent his servant back to the land of his pilgrimage where his people dwelt. And this man prayed and God showed him Rebekah and she began to minister to him by feeding and watering his camels. This servant made this powerful statement. He said, I being in the way, the Lord led me. I called a friend when I was just kind of banding about this idea. And he said, I believe with all my heart that God led me to my wife and her to me. He saw God's hand upon that. Now I know that that's not always the case. But I do believe that as we're busy doing the will of God. Remember, he that finds a good wife finds a good thing and, and obtains a favor of the Lord. Remember, Remember, it means along the way. And as we're doing the will of God first... I believe God will hook you up. (laughs) And you can go on together. What a great thing to be serving God with all your heart and have God bring you. And you say, hey, let's continue on together. That's the good beginning of any relationship, beloved. One quote put it this way. Rebecca was able to meet God's divine appointment for her life because she was faithfully carrying out her current obligations while single. And as she was there busy, as she was there doing the will of God, she met God's divine appointment. I don't believe that particular trip to the well was special, it was not a fellowship set up to get them in the same house. She wasn't wearing suggestive clothing, so Abraham's servant would say, man, she better be the one. She didn't say, my name is Becky, and I met my husband Isaac on eHarmony.com. She was doing the will of God. And because she kept her divine appointment, God or rather because she kept her current obligations, God was there for her divine appointment. God simply rewarded her daily faithfulness. Listen, I haven't preached this to rain on anybody's parade. I believe you need to get married young. By all means, make that your objective, but don't be hasty. I tell you, I I, I preach this because I have seen called men who will never preach? One comes to mind, man very dear to me. This guy, when he'd close in prayer, I remember one time he closed in prayer in the door scene. I just looked over at him. I hated him. <laughs> he, I mean, there was an anointing. He just, all he's was doing is praising him, uh, closing in prayer. And I'm just like, my gosh. Incredible touch of God on this guy's life. But he got in a hurry and he married a woman who wanted no part of what we are. Now she didn't let him know that following I do was I won't. Moved out of Prescott, backslidden today. Without a miracle, he'll never preach the gospel what a waste I'm not you know I'm hoping that this sermon you know I hope we don't have more breakups than churches planted tonight that's not what I'm trying to do <laughs> I hope you'll just pray I hope you'll watch Don't ignore what you know is there Please don't say well I can always change him you won't change him You won't change him, sister. Sorry, you'll never change him. You say, hey, ah, you just try me, you no, know? No. You won't change him. But I believe if we'll pray and seek God, urgency. What do we need? We need young couples. In my church, in my city right now, I've had the privilege of watching Louis and Breeze Lobato come into our city. My gosh, the dude doesn't even shave yet. No, I don't, no, it's, I, I, I love that. When Corey and Krista Pratt jumped out of the U-Haul, I was a distance away, I'm going, where's the kids, where's the, there's, there's the kids, where's the parents? <laughs> These young couples, just there, doing something for God. You know what, they started young. Got their mistakes out of the way. Got discipled. What a great thing to start preaching when you're 22 years old yes Amen. what a great thing so I pray that God will just use anything I could have said tonight to maybe avert a disaster and challenge destiny let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes before we go on to other things there are people here today perhaps you're not saved you're not born again Friend, you're you're in a tent full of people that have been where you are and would never go back. They've been bound in alcohol, drugs, gambling. They've been involved in uncleanness and fornication. But we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And what you're feeling here today is the presence of God dwelling in the praises of his people. That God is for you. That God drew, drew you here. That God has a plan for your life. That God has a purpose and a destiny for you, young man, young lady. God's got a plan for you. And I wonder how many here tonight, you're not saved, you're not born again, but you'd like to be. You lift up your hand right now. God sees the hand. Thank you, sir. How many others? Quickly, lift it up high where I can see it. Hold it. Say, yes, God bless you, sir. How many others? Say, please, pastor, pray for me before you close this service. Here's my hand. I want to get saved. Maybe you're backslidden. At one time, you knew all about this, but you're far from God. The devil's a liar, friend. Jesus Christ you you here. That's why you're here. He loves you. He's married to the backslider. You tell the devil to shut up and you lift your hand. Say, I'm backsliding. I need to get right. All across this place. Backslider unsaved. Quickly. Come on, lift it up. God bless you, sir. How many others? God bless you. How many others? Come on, lift them up. God's speaking to your heart. Quickly lift up your hand. God's got a plan for your life, friend. He wants to forgive you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to give you a brand new start. Lift up your hand quickly. One more time. Come on, lift it up. Okay, then. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Lift your hand. Look up at me. Did you mean that? You meant that? You're sincere with God? I know you did. Over here, did you mean that? In the back? Over here, did you mean that? Over here, did you mean that, young man? Did you mean it? I want you to come? Quickly. Come out from where you're standing or where you're seated. Right here in the middle. Yes, young man, come. I need probably five or six men from the Prescott Church to come. Pray for these men. Praise the Lord. Quickly, come. You, you lifted your hand. You're leaning in the back. Look up at me, son. Come on, you want to get saved? You want to get saved? Why not you come? Need a couple more men, please. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you know you should have. But you, come on up. Come out of your seat right now. Okay, then I'm going to change the order of this service. We heard phenomenal preaching all week and two seminars this morning that were just convicting and challenging Pastor Warner and Pastor Lamb. Pastor Warner preached on casual Christianity. How that seems to be the sheet thing now. He talked about that one illustration about pray for my unit. That went right to my heart. I said, oh God, let me never forget that we are a fellowship and we are for each other and should be praying for one another and loving one another. And we should be engaged in the battle. Wonderful message that will change your church. Pastor Lamb convicted us all with his sermon on equipped disciples oh god help us not just to go through the motions god help us to be so concerned about our disciples that we wouldn't dare be lazy in this that we would not dare be indifferent in this god forgive us that we have god forgive us that we haven't got a a, a dedicated actual uh, a, a plan and a strategy for our men being willing to discipline when necessary, but also being willing to encourage them and serve their destiny. I've also prayed preached today on singles. God told me when I was putting this together that he was going to have me pray for all the single people in the tent. And I would appreciate that at the altar call. If you want prayer, single person, you're going to make some vows on purity today. You're going to make some vows of wisdom, not hastiness, and I want you to come forward. Let's all stand to our feet. Maybe the Lord spoke to you in any one of these three messages. Why don't you come quickly and seal that work at this altar. Lay hold of God about discipleship. Lay hold of God about casual Christianity, about loving one another, about being engaged in the battle, about having a strategy for our disciples. We repent this morning. Let's begin to lay hold of God, church. We're going to sing a song. Creating me a clean heart. Uh, let's
0: sing that song together. in me a clean heart.